welcome to Love Through It. I'm your host, Liana Nielsen, former actress and comedian turned certified integrative nutrition health coach. I found my way here after spending my 20s getting sick and then learning how to heal myself from an autoimmune condition, depression, anxiety, and an eating disorder when countless doctors were no help. Combining both traditional and alternative methods, I found healing through a deeper mind-body connection. I am so excited to share what I've discovered with you. Here, I'll chat with friends, experts, and clients on how they love through their biggest challenges to build lives and bodies they love. You ready? Let's do this. Kathleen Schaefer, oh my gosh, it is such a pleasure to have you. How are you doing today? I am delighted to be here and feeling great to uh, have this opportunity to talk with you. Oh, good, good, good. I wanted to have you on. Well, it's funny. So for the past year or so, because I spend so much time talking on my Instagram stories, I would get these random DMs from people being like, you should start a podcast. You should start a podcast. So for a while, I was thinking about it. And I'm like, okay, who would I have on? And and what are the people? And what, what, what would I trying to be expressing and sharing with the world? And you were one of the first people that popped into my head because of the impact, the profound impact you've had on my journey, my leadership journey, if we want to put it in your language. And really, when I look back on it, like how I was able to pivot into the next phase of my life. So this is really exciting. And I, I'm really excited to share what you do and your work with the world. Um, so thank you for being here. I'll, I'll give everyone a little bit of an intro about how amazing you are. And then we'll jump right in. How's that sound? That sounds great. And I just I'm thrilled to hear about this next pivot for you as well. So Kathleen is so impressive. All right. She has been in the leadership and development space for over 30 years, guiding people to create change in the world by embracing their leadership and effectively expressing themselves to achieve tangible real world results. She started as a legislative and executive executive government staffer in Michigan. She co-founded the Michigan Political Leadership Program, the dean of the Graduate School of Political Management at GW, which was my alma mater, asked her to build its political leadership curriculum, which she developed and taught for 16 years. Now she has developed her own proprietary leadership model that serves as the basis of her continuing evolving work, which I had the pleasure of studying with and studying under and working with, which was fabulous. And currently she's working with individuals and organizations that are committed to creating meaningful change in the world. You know, everyone from the highest levels of the UN, the United States government, a lot of people in international government and nonprofits, domestic advocacy organizations, coaches, entrepreneurs, media personalities, everyone can benefit from this woman. She has authored two books, Living the Leadership Choice and Choose to Lead. I've read both of them. I would recommend them. Just wanting to give people an understanding of who you are and what you're doing here. Kathleen, oh, it's such a pleasure. You kind of backed into, you came into my life sort of by accident. Um, one of my dear, dear friends had talked about the work you guys were doing and I was kind of like, oh, sounds cool. Doesn't I don't see how it would really apply to me. And then I was in LA on a trip and we had lunch. And it was the first time I had seen this woman since you guys had worked together. And there was a profound shift in how she was showing up in the world. A lot more grounded, a lot more direct, a lot more powerful. And I just remember sitting across eating a salad because, of course, we're in LA um, and thinking, I, I don't know what this what, what she's doing, but like I want what she's having. And 
um, that led us to working together. Um, and it's interesting too, when I look at what I do now, I actually talk about you a lot still, um, or the work we've done together. Um, and they're really two big things. And it's funny, love through it. The reason this podcast is called love through it and the whole idea behind it, right. is like, you know, life is going to show up with challenges always. And it's up to us to decide how we, how we approach them, right. We could struggle through them or we could love through them. And like, here we are talking about having conversations about how we love through them. I got that from living with joy, which was on your reading list. So that alone changed my life, but the, the real big impact. And I mean, I do this with clients now, when we started working together, you really, there's a lot of focus on really looking at the type of people we were. So we were looking at like Myers-Briggs and Enneagram and even human design and getting this deeper understanding of like who we are. And you, it was, I sort of feel bad for you, right? Because you came into my life and a couple of months later, it fully imploded. So we were doing, I was studying under you. And then like two or three months into it, I was in a full spiral, like a free fall. I decided to end my marriage. You know, I was in a full panic. I was anxious all the time. And I remember one day you just were like, listen, you are, you know, a deeply feeling person. You're very intuitive. Get out of your brain. I need you to spend the next month feeling into every decision and not thinking about it. And then we can chat. And I was like, that is the most insane thing anyone's ever said to me. Absolutely not. That's terrifying. My life is going to fall apart. Everything's going to burst into flames. But I respected you. I was paying you a lot of money. I liked the work that we were doing. And I was like, I got to listen to this woman. And it was one of the scariest things I ever did. But what it did was it led me to really connect deeper within myself and trust myself. And I remember at the end of that month, we connected. And I was like, my mind was blown. And I was, you were like, so how'd it go? And I was like, Kathleen, like, I mean, I have all this extra space in my brain. Like, everything's easier. All my, my anxiety is gone. I'm like, what do I do with it? And I, you just sat there and you're like, well, you'll change the world. And I was like, oh, all right. <laughs> all right. Now um, I'm ready. <laughs> okay. All right. Here we are. And from there, you know, I'm so, you know, so much of the work I do is really guiding people through their physical body and sometimes health challenges into that deeper connection, that listening, that trust that you so powerfully instilled in me. So first of all, thank you. You changed my life. Wow. You're, you're most welcome. And uh, I like to say, you know, what you, what you shared is really how I work with a lot of people. First of all, uh, people get to me the way that they get to me. I don't do a lot of uh, promotion, um, but the right people get to me at the right time. And I say they, they arrive when they're really ready to make these profound transformations in their life and become what I call you know, the leaders they were really wanting and designed to be. And you know what's so funny? Because I never really thought about myself as a leader or leadership. And really, I'd love for you to talk about, because how you define leadership and how you look at it, I think is really beautiful and really shines a light that, you know, we are, we are all leaders in our own lives. Well, there it is. I, I, I say a lot, leadership is love and action. Oh, and- isn't that so good? That is my favorite thing. Love and action. Yes. Well, because we are, we are love, you know, ourselves, and that's what we put out into the, that's our work in the world. That's our presence in the world. And so as we take ownership of how we show up for ourselves, how we show up for others, that's how we begin to change things. Instead of thinking about the world 
you know, as you were talking about kind of impacting us from the outside in, it's really learning how to, to connect into the best of who we are and bring that out and impact our environments, whether it's our families, our offices, our communities. That's how we change the world, not by going out and doing things out there and then coming home and feeling badly about ourselves or treating ourselves or others badly. Yeah, it, it was a really beautiful shift in perspective, thinking about leadership that way and really understanding that, yeah, it really starts at home. And it was funny. I, you know, I, I really took to your work because, well, you know, I sort of backed into my career as a health coach because of my own healing journey. And I found myself in kind of like a hippy dippy health coaching school. I thought I was going to go in a different direction, but it was really the only place teaching what I knew to be true for myself. And, and the cornerstone behind that for them was really getting to the root cause, right? Really connecting underneath. Why are we making these decisions? You know, getting, getting underneath it and connecting deeper. And it was funny because like early on in my career, you know, I'm in my late twenties and I'm coaching like executives into like new careers because the reason they're drinking too much or eating too much is because they hate their job. And finding you, it was like, oh, wow, this is a woman who's going to help me expand my coaching abilities and my, my understanding of how to connect people even deeper to themselves than just like through their physical body. So your work really profoundly impacted what I'm doing now. And I would love to talk about how you got, you know, I'd love to hear your backstory in your own words, right? Because you had this really interesting route. And I think we don't, you know, I, there aren't a lot of women in my life that had really interesting, impactful careers that, pivoted and spanned different decades. I just find what you, you know, you're an expander for me. So I'd love to hear a little bit more about your journey for the women who are, you know, listening, following, like it, it's, it's, a, it's empower, it's a powerful one. Well, thank you. Well, for the sake of this conversation, I'll go back to my early childhood and say that I, I dreamed of becoming the first woman president. That was, that was the, the goal because that's what you did when you wanted to help people. And I, you know, could just look around and see there's a lot happening in the world that didn't seem right. And, you know, a lot of the things that, you know, we're facing today. So I went into politics because that's what you did if you were going to run for president. And I started very early working for a state legislator back in Michigan and, you know, continued working through with her uh, all through college, actually. And then, you know, it was through that early process that I started to recognize that the way politics work and the way it's supposed to are two very different things. And being being the problem solver that I am, I was like, okay, I need to do something. So that's when I started the Michigan Political Leadership Program, which is still running today. um, That's amazing. It is. And uh, actually, the current Secretary of State and others in Michigan, uh, you know, many other political leaders have, have gone through that program. And it's designed not only to teach people how to run for office, but how to lead once they get there, because we don't spend a lot of time, as is abundantly clear these days, teaching people how to lead and how to govern and how to work with each other. So that that was a, you know a big part of that program. So ran that. Um, being a young woman in politics was never an easy thing. With a lot of um, now, what we can look back on and see of the the patriarchy at work. Um, oh, I can't who- imagine. It must have been awful. Well, when you're successful and you're a young woman, there are plenty of men who are willing to take credit for what you do. (laughs) (laughs) I can only imagine, and not to mention beautiful. I'm sure sure the whole thing was 
Uh, that's that's in a lot of other interesting stories. Um, after a while, I, I decided to get more directly involved and help um, women and other underrepresented groups run for office. And uh, so that was, you know, the mid '90s. I actually had a talk show uh, back then, um, talk called for women only. So that was trying to get women's voices on talk radio at a time when it was quite uh, conservative. And that's when the dean of the graduate school of political management heard me speak and said, you know, I can tell you're talking about something a little bit different. And that was, you know, uh, so there, there, all through my uh, history, there have been, you know, kind of the challenges, but there's also these moments when people come in and offer you these these life changing opportunities, and that was one of them. So, went to GW as an adjunct there. We were all practicing political professionals, and. Um, developed the leadership curriculum. And from that, the leadership connection model that I talk about in my work today was developed. Worked with uh, a lot of people, like you said, all across um, kind of government, public policy, spoke all over the world because at the time, a lot of emerging democracies were quite interested in learning how to do things better. And it was, you know, in kind of the mid-Obama years, 2010 or so, that I started to see that what's happening in politics today was going to happen, that there was a real shift from wanting to govern mm-hmm. to wanting to just beat the other side. And mm. where while politically I have worked, you know, center and left of center, I've always worked across the spectrum because I believe it's important, you know, you know, in terms of this leadership work to find the, the middle ground. But that was going on both sides. Yeah. And so that's when I made the move to the West Coast, to Southern California, because I wanted to go where people were going to solve problems. And for me, that was people engaged in social impact. Mm. And, you know, California has a reputation for kind of innovating around that. So since then, that's I've worked with um, many people, lots of uh, heads of philanthropy, nonprofits, some government, uh, corporate social responsibility, all kinds of people interested in doing good in the world. And that's really what I love to do is light people up so that they can go out and, you know, that's what we need. Absolutely. I mean, that is a hundred percent what happened to me after spending a few years with you. It was like, I got a lot more empowered to really take responsibility for my experience, my healing journey, what I knew to be true. And also how I wanted to have an impact using all of my experiences and all of the education I had and understanding that like there was a space for it, right? Because I think as a woman, it's, it's very easy to be like, well, and like, I don't have a PhD. I'm not like a doctor. I'm not all the, but you know, I've done all these interesting things and I know I've seen it impact clients. I think it, it could have like a larger scale thing and working with you allowed me to own that a bit more, which is really exciting. Well, we've been all operating under what I call this hyper-masculine system that tells us there's only one way to do things. You have to kind of, you know, pay your dues and work your way to the top. And maybe someday, somehow, some way you'll, you'll make it. And, you know, that's a system very much designed to benefit the few at the cost of the many. Mm -hmm. And it's also designed to take away our own individual expression and joy and happiness and being able to create what we want in the world. Because, it is less structured. We're not controlled. But in this way of thinking about the world, 
if we all have something important to contribute, then our work is really figuring out what's what brings us joy. What do we love doing? How is this of service to others? And when we do that, if everyone's doing it, it does work. Absolutely. Well, and it was so interesting. And, you know, another one of the huge things you did for me too, I was, you know, I was at this really pivotal moment in my life, right? Where I was realizing, okay, how I was, how how I was living wasn't working. Like the relationship wasn't making sense. And I was really suffering as an actor because I had this very small idea of what success looked like. I was very much clinging and grasping and like pushing and, you know, all the, I feel like the hustle grind New York culture, I was like really doing it. I was like, I'm just going to work as hard as I can and push as hard forward until this one thing happens and then I'll be happy. And you kept, you through our work together, you kept being like, you know, what is it at the core of what you love to do though? What's the, I, you always talk about this, like what's the one thing that you can't help doing all the time? Like what are the things that you have in common? And it, though there was some resistance initially, you were able to get me to, to, to really zoom out and be like, okay, what do I love? I love connection. I love deep connection with people. I like storytelling, you know, whether I'm listening, where I'm telling. I love empowering people. I love to make people laugh and feel good. I can do that in both areas. I'm doing that both in my acting career and my business. So I'm already doing this, right? And you allowed me to see, and I actually would love to you to speak on what does it mean to be living in your gift? What's your gift? Define gift for us. And, and what does it mean to be living in your gift? So, okay. So we'll go back to my, my, um, um, the, one of the evolutions that took place, you know, right before I met you was um, I, I was looking at how to scale this work because yeah. there's only, you know, one person, how do you do this? And some people were starting to come and say, you know, we want to do this. And I, I don't talk about this a lot, but it's the absolute truth, which is I literally had a dream. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. And in the dream, I kind of, you know, heard the voice and, you know, it was, you need to start the human being store. And I just, I remember thinking or saying, you know, of course, me being a little um, argumentative, I'm like, you know, retail is dead. I'm not starting a store. And, and, you know, no, you need to start the, and, and then I was presented with this gift and um, this box and I opened the box and it was the word leadership. And I kind of looked and I was like, duh, you know, <laughs> and then, you know, the, the, the voices said, well, what if your gift is your gift? Mm. And it just shook me. I remember I woke up at that moment really. And, you know, it was always very, very clear to me that I was here to talk about leadership and all of this, but we don't often recognize that the gift that we long to give in the world is also a result of what we're longing to receive. Mm. That's that dynamic that we talk about in that flow. Wait, say that one more time. That is so powerful. Just say that one more time so everyone can hear that again. Right. So the gift that we long to give in the world Mm -hmm. for people who are really in this, you know, state of leadership is because it's the thing we haven't received or we want to Mm -hmm. receive. And so people who have hit a certain level of balance in their lives, instead of being angry or mad or, you know, wanting to control or feel like they've got to do something to get it, Mm -hmm. they recognize that the way to bring into your life what you long for is is to first offer it. Mm. So that's it, right? You know, so leadership, you know, for me is all about this love and action. Mm -hmm. 
you know, we can talk all about that, but you know, that's what you long for in your life. So when you start to recognize that fundamentally, it really begins to shift Mm -hmm. how you show up in the world. And so, you know, back to the human being store, um, I developed a visualization that you um, know very well that designed to, in an hour or 90 minutes, you know, we can work with people now to have a very clear visual of what their gift is. And I would say, you know, there are um, probably hundreds of people now who have gone through this, and I'm never, ever, ever disappointed with the insights and power that come out of that visualization. Oh my gosh, uh, I know. Well, it was funny. I remember mine. I mean, mine was a, 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 a watch that turned into a bracelet. Like there were these two things in this box and I was like, it's this, it's that. And it was funny when we really were unpacking it, you were like, I think that your gift is really like what you, we distill it. We really like start to look underneath why, right? What is this, the meaning of this object? And um, you were like, you are going to be really helpful, especially with women, but everyone helping them with transition, right? Like transitioning through. And it was funny because at the time I was like, okay, like whatever that means. And then it, as my company continues to evolve, who am I attracting the most? People who are, you know, leaving big relationships, people who are pivoting into bigger careers, people who are, you know what I mean? Like that's exactly where I'm sitting. So I think of you and I was like, oh, she was right. It took me a little while to get here, but oh my gosh. But isn't that beautiful that it, you can go through a process like this and again, it, at every phase and stage, it matures, you get deeper meaning, but you have that as an anchor point. And I like to say your gift is that unchangeable, enduring, beautiful, whole, perfect part of you. And when you have that as an anchor, then, you know, as you mentioned in the opening, there are other things that you can start to understand about yourself, about the strengths, how you like to work, how you like to engage people, the skills, the way you practice your leadership. And then everyone's this, you know, beautiful kaleidoscope of all of these qualities rolled up together. But once you know that for yourself, you can then communicate it to others and find those who want to match you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I still talk about, you know, we talk the, so the human being store logo is the infinity sign and it, you've made it very cute because there's a box and it looks like a bow. Um, <laughs> And I, I, to this day, talk about it. You know, it's the idea that the one side is sort of your human, the other side is your being, the connection in the center is your gift. And if you're connected to your gift, you are able to flow effortlessly from one side to the other, meaning you know what you are here to do and you're able to live it powerfully in the world. Yeah. Has that evolved at all? Did I nail that? Well, you, you very good. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> gold star thank you thank Uh, you so much (laughs) and and this is the beauty is that you know my intention with this work is to to light up other people and provide some of the 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 understandings and the scaffolding so that you can create your own language around it, your own way of talking about it. It's the truth Mm -hmm. that I'm hoping to impart and then everyone has their own way of communicating it so it's beautiful and you know the way I would see it is, is that the world that we've been living in has been a very, you know, see it, feel it, touch it, concrete world. That's mm-hmm. the human world. Yes. Which, again, talked about, right? 
the way that we determine happiness is by these human forms of measure. You know, what degrees do you have? How much money do you make? What's your title? What is your house? What's your car? And so, so many people have been trying to, you know, experience happiness by only living in the human. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We've negated, and that's a that's kind of and I, and I mean this in terms of an energetic, not a social construct that's the very masculine side of the world yeah. you know the feminine side of the world is the more creative and the being and the expression and the feeling and again for so long we've either you know played that down or we've had people who have experienced it but they do it at the exclusion of the human you know mm-hmm. i'm going to go off and meditate and be in a cave but you know i can i can reach great states of happiness but i'm not very engaged in the world mm-hmm. and i like this moment for us, even, you know, more so coming out of the pandemic. Yeah. It's, we're all being called to be all of ourselves mm. here and now, right? We can't, we can't address the issues before us. We can't create the, the systems and the structures in our world by only bringing half of ourselves to the table. Mm-hmm. And that's why so many of these systems are, are breaking down is because they're only based on that human side. There's no sense of, okay, we can make all this money, but are employees happy? Are our customers happy? You know, our, is our world, is our climate, is our you know, resources happy? And when we leave that off the table, it's never going to work because it's only half of, half of the system. Absolutely. No. And I, you know, with my clients and what I do a lot, like, I think we're societally, especially in the U S like we are just encouraged to live in the human side. Or I always talk about like, everyone's living from the neck up, right? You're only using your brain. You're going outside of yourself to know what to eat, know what to do. What's everyone else around me doing? How should I dress? How should I feel? Like what, what is being reflected? No one, so few people are really allowing themselves to go deeper and to connect to themselves and listen. And when you do that all of the time and you are living from the neck up, guess what happens to your body? You get sick. Your body is this wealth of knowledge and wisdom. And if you are not tapped into that other side, you are not connected to yourself. It's really hard to stay healthy or a proper weight or you know any number of things, manage stress. So I think it's, it, you know, it's incredibly important. And the interesting thing, and I always talk about this with what I do, is how I sort of found my way to you and what I do now is people did come to me because they weren't feeling well and they were disconnected. And once you connect them to that self, to that listing, what you did for me, essentially, you not only start to hear the the messages that your body is signaling to you that you need to sleep more or eat no, not, don't eat cheese or whatever it is, you also start to hear the other things where it's like, maybe this isn't the job or Maybe I need to start the human being store, right? So it's this really beautiful way of knowing what the next right step is for you because you're the only one who knows, right? So I think the beautiful thing about your work is really empowering people to to find that treasure map within them. Yes, because, and you, I'm sure will remember this, you know, very early on in our childhood, I usually say around five the world starts telling us that who we are isn't good enough, isn't smart enough, isn't strong enough, isn't whatever enough to be all of who we are. Mm. Right? So I, I fundamentally believe that, you know, as children, we come in in this whole perfect state of our gift and state of human being and being in flow. And it's the world that kind of beats it out of us. Yeah. And so it's, the, the, it's a rediscovery of your truth. And, and it's a re 
orientation toward living your life leading in a way that integrates the wholeness of who you are and not just a part of who you are. So what have been some common blocks or challenges you see with your clients? <laughs> or, yeah. So many, so many. Yeah. I mean, you know, in some ways they're all very different and in some ways they're all very much the same. So let's just go back to, you know, you know, most people come to me like you because they're at some transition in their life. You know, I sometimes say I get a lot of people who are at the top of the ladder um, and they're starting to recognize it's against the wrong wall. Oh, that, that make that literally, yes, I couldn't agree with that more because I just remembered I got to this point. I talk about this. I was like 35. I had basically had everything I thought I'd always wanted. And then I looked around at the top of the ladder and I was like, wait, why is this not home? Wait, I'm not happy. This is not. And it was, it was really confusing. And, you know, you really have to let go. And like, I, luckily you were there to sort of guide and catch me. Well, again, I always say people get here at the right time and in in the right way. So it all works out, but that's it. But that's so whatever that is, whether you've, you know, at the top of a foundation or nonprofit and you think, oh, this, or you're, you know, again, I don't work with candidates as much, but, you know, somebody who's thinking about a career change or possibly running for office or whatever. So that's the point at which a lot of people come Mm -hmm. to me is there's some, something in their life that they was working or thought was supposed to work isn't working. Mm -hmm. So let's just take that moment. And again, most people come in thinking, help me find a different job, help me, you know, change my career. I'm not quite sure. So there's a, there's a very general human component Mm -hmm. to what do you this. But very quickly, what happens, and I do test this out with people I work with, is, you know, we've got to go back to why is it that this is going on? And that's when we get into the being side. So, you know, fundamentally, the the simple part is, is that there are these beliefs that people started to internalize, you know, early on. Um, I had somebody, you know, say to me just last week, you know, I'm first generation, you know, immigrant family. And I always felt different. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I never felt safe here. Um, so, so again, you know, you, you think about that. If you have that somewhere deep buried in you, I don't feel safe. Then every interaction you have at some level has that at its root. Mm-hmm. So if somebody looks at you funny, I'm making this up, right? <laughs> so, you know, or somebody... Right you a piece of feedback or somebody doesn't introduce you the right way at a meeting, all of a sudden, it's not about the event. It's about the fact like, oh my gosh, I'm not safe. Why did this person not do this? What happened there? What? And, you know, you overlay that on, you know, several of these over, you know, 30 years, 40 years of life, you got some unpacking to do to reorient toward, I'm okay. I, I have something good. So it's always this constant you know, balance between getting more and more attuned to the good while we let go of the untruths. Mm. And that's, that's the work, right? How do we focus on the good? And the more you focus on the good, whole and real, then the things that aren't real can go away. Yeah. Yeah. It's really that idea that you're not broken, right? There's nothing to fix. Like you didn't come broken. How do we really 
focus on, like you're saying, the the, the positive aspects because I think it is very easy. And again, societally, especially as women, it's like, what's wrong with you? What do you need to buy or fix or inject or lose to be better and to be loved more, to be heard more, to be valued more? And it's like, no, you're valuable already. Let's focus on that, which is incredible. That's the hardest thing for people to, to mm-hmm. get is that they don't have to do anything to be valuable and lovable and worthy and all of those things. The doing actually comes after you understand that, because if you understand your value, then what you do is rooted in, as you talk about being loving, being compassionate, being open, being creative, instead of being rooted in, I need things from you in order to feel better. Mm, That is so incredibly important right there. Like that will, and that shift, that distinction right there will change how the world responds to you across the board too, when you're coming from that place of wholeness and love. But it is, I think that's the thing people struggle with the most. Like that's so much of what at the core I get, because every, you know, I get people, a lot of people because of body stuff, whether it's body image or physical stuff at the core of self-love, a lot of it, and just feeling not worthy, not broken, not good enough, being so mean. And when you watch them pivot, like, you know, I spent three months with someone or two years, and you watch them coming from this space of wholeness and love. It's like you watch a flower blossom. It's unbelievable. Yeah, that's it. But if we were all encouraged to love ourselves, right, that's the first place we have to, that's love in action, and then move from that, we'd solve all the world's problems in a day. Agree. Because we couldn't do the things we do to each other because it would make no sense if it actually comes from that space of wholeness. Right. And this is where, like, as silly as it sounds, living with joy, like, it became my Bible, right? So when I started uh, studying under Kathleen, she had a reading list and it was kind of across the board, a lot of different stuff. And I remember, um, you know, living with joy is a little bit more of a spiritual text. And I was like, oh, this is kind of weird and interesting. And I read it, I read a couple of pages or a chapter every day for an entire year. And when I finished the book, I would start it again just because I loved it so much. And in that phase of my life, I really needed, you know, the message. And I just remember, yeah, it's so good. I know I have it in the other room. It's Yeah, it's there. <laughs> it's the best. And I just remember, you know, I was living with a friend. I'd moved out. Like things just felt very tumultuous and scary and, and just dealing with a lot of things. And one of the things that I, and again, I say this to my clients all the time. I say it all the time because I love it so much and I'm probably not going to get it word for word, but the essential uh, essentially is they talk about what if every time someone communicated with you, they were either communicating love or a need for love. I'm like, that's it. That's it. What if we can all just try to come from love as much as possible. And when we don't, or when someone doesn't, instead of, hearing the criticism as true or, you know, taking it personally, understanding that this is just a cry. Someone is, someone really needs love and that's why they're coming at us in this way. Yes. I mean, this is, once you start to understand all these things, and again, you see it in different books, you see it in all of this, life's, you know, simple. The practicing of it gets a little challenging. else, right? But it's simple or a lot, you know, now I'll say, you know, you say love or need for love, you know, people are either responding in every moment trying to control, that's that I need love, I need something from you, or they're responding in a more creative, open 
way. Like that's our choice and that's the loving way, right? And it really is that simple. We just have to become aware of when we too are sometimes not in that loving, open, creative space and when we need something and when you can even stop and say, you know what, this isn't feeling good to me because there's something I need here and I'm not getting it. Mm -hmm. Even if they give it to you or not, you're still moving yourself in that direction of love, love for yourself, love for others. And there you have it. I love it. I love what you, so we are either responding in a way that's more controlling or creative. Right. That, right. That's what you do. You want to control something mm-hmm. or you want, you're open and you're willing to create a solution as opposed to, I need you to go do this. You know, perhaps we should talk about how we're going to get this done. Yes. And this is where some of the like somatic or the understanding of your physical body can be very important. Right. Cause I talk about this like sort of with connection and disconnection or when people get quote unquote triggered or stressed out. Sometimes we don't realize it right away, right? Like you you think all of a sudden you're upset about something and you think you're responding in a way that is helpful, but you are not responding from love anymore. Maybe you're responding from fear or anger, but you, your brain convinces you that you are. But it's like, once you start to understand, you're like, maybe your heart races, maybe your stomach gets tight or you get a stomach ache or your jaw clenches. And like, once you start to get to know your body better, you have these like earlier cues of disconnection or really when you're stopping, when you stop being connected to yourself or when you're, when you're not coming from a place of love anymore and having that deeper understanding to your body allows you to navigate and pause and be like, Ooh, wait a minute, I was about to say something that I probably didn't mean, or I was about to respond from fear. And when you can start to notice that, then you have their space there for conscious choice. There, you got leadership skill number two. There's only three leadership skills, communication, conscious choice, conflict resolution, but there it is. And, and it's this web. And it also goes to the step before the alignment of purpose, which is we don't, we have not appreciated that physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually how interwoven we are and Mm -hmm. we aren't often, you know, and this is why your work is so important present to the physical cues we're getting. Yes. I I find that a lot of people, when I ask them, you know, just to stop throughout the day and ask themselves what they're feeling, that emotional, how tough that is for people. So many people have no idea how they feel and then talk to them. It's so sad. Like so many men, even younger men these days, like it's so interesting. No, people don't know. Yeah, they have, so just that I just stop three times a day, set your you know timer on your phone, whatever. What am I feeling? And for so many people, they haven't really like, oh, I'm happy. Oh, I'm actually a little anxious. Okay, well, what are you anxious about? What do you need? You know, that's the that's the self care when people talk about self care, right? Yeah. Am I really hungry or am I just anxious? You know, mm-hmm. am I? You know, why is this stressing out? Am I thinking something about this meeting that isn't true? I mean, whatever it is. So again, the work has to come in first, because if you're not doing the work, all these people who say they want to do good in the world and save the world, and I'm not disagreeing with them, but if you're treating yourself poorly, if you're at war with your body, if you're at war with yourself, if you're you know, denigrating who you are, you can't possibly help other people. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the reasons that our social impact, you know, models haven't worked the way we wanted them to work is, is because, you know, fundamentally, so many people who are, in, you know, endeavoring to do the work for all the right reasons, haven't taken the time to do it for themselves. And so they're not able to be fully effective doing it, you know, with and for others. Right. And this is, I mean, again, I see this a lot with women. It's like, you can't put yourself first. 
You can't honor what you need first, right? That's so selfish. You have to put other people ahead of you. And, you know, I think I got a lot of that modeled to me unintentionally just because of, you know, generations and what was going on. But I remember looking around and seeing a lot of women just supporting men and their career, you know what I mean? Being the support system in all of these other areas. And what did I do? I did the same thing. Not that that was bad, but it maybe wasn't my path, right? And the idea that like we're allowed to be selfish and do stuff that feels good. And then when we do that, like not, I mean, I don't even want to call it selfish. It's like honoring yourself. When you do that first, the impact you have on everyone else is so much more positive. Well, and and keep in mind, and, and sometimes this gets conflated. It's not just about, oh, I'm going to go take a walk or I'm going to go get a massage or I'm going to right? like, oh, I'm going to, this is about, taking time to really develop a loving relationship with yourself and valuing yourself in that relationship. Yeah. And that's what doesn't get taught first at all, you know, by, you know, for anyone. And two, like you said, there are a lot of societal, um, you know, norms that talk about, well, it's selfish if somebody else needs something for you to care for you. And that's where we've gotten off track, right? I mean, that's back to that hyper-masculine industrial model. I need you to show up at the assembly line and put your piece in because that's the only way that the rest of us are going to work as opposed to you knowing when it's best for you, how it's best for you and the ways that are best for you and developing, you know, ecosystem around that in harmony with others, not in conflict with others. Yes. Yes. Oh, let's pivot a little bit. Tell us a, a little bit, explain what the human being store is and what you offer. I mean, if you want to walk us through, we talked about the leadership model for two seconds, if you think that's helpful, but explain to people what it is because it's such a fun, cheeky name and um, it's, it's, it's a beautiful business that you're running. Well, thank you. So, you know, the, the human being store, you go to the human being store to get your gifts and we've talked about your gift, which is, you know, fundamental to that. And, um, um, what was it now? I guess a couple of years ago. It's hard to believe. I feel like the, the pandemic, I've lost three years. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. So, I guess it now is getting close to, you know, four or five years ago, I did do a practicum where I trained 10 people in this process. Liana was one of them. And uh, I still have a couple of people who are, are working with me. And we do uh, one-on-one work. So I have, uh, you know, a group of one-on-one and then um, a couple of the others do that. And uh, then I do a session, which I started during the pandemic called Lead and Succeed, which is a membership uh, where people three times a week for an hour, anybody can come into the session and we have kind of like this discussion that you and I are having, you mm-hmm. know, hey, happened with my boss or this coworker. I'm feeling stuck. And there's a lot of um, what I would call late, early to mid-career professionals in there who don't, mm-hmm. you know, really want to get involved with the deep one-on-one work, but still want to be able to access this and do it in a group setting. And that's fabulous. Like I said, I started that right after the pandemic and, you know, have lots of people. Some people come in for, you know, six months and go on and change courses. And so that's fantastic. And then during the pandemic, I also started uh, a program that is primarily at this moment focused on um, Southern California, but it's called the Art of Soulful Leadership. Where Oh, I, I just, I was looking through your cohort, like these are some impressive women at a very high level and across the board at a lot of really impressive companies. 
Well, that's my thank you. And, um, you know, that's kind of the next horizon is I want to be able to bring this work to groups where it's done both individually and collectively Mm -hmm. so that there is some societal outcome. And for the Art of Soulful Leadership, I'm about to launch the fourth fourth cohort, the groups of um, six, seven women who are, you know, pretty much C-suite in um, Southern California social impact. And we meet uh, throughout the year, four times in person in retreat. Um, The other months we meet on Zoom. And the work is both individual and collective. And it's so powerful back to, you know, what I was just talking about with the Lead and Succeed is to have these conversations with a group of women and see how different people are implementing it in their work and how you can support each other and particularly during this time of tumult that we're in, you know, just socially to have other people who are going through similar things and being able to be connected uh, with them has been um, very powerful. So some of most, all of the cohorts have actually continued on for um, second and third years already. So they're not ending. (laughs) Uh, So that's, that's just been a joy. And uh, I am going to do another practicum. Oh, uh, starting great. In oh, my gosh. I know. And it's going to be different than it was before. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, you always live and learn and evolve. Uh, so, but it's going to be a year-long program for people because I truly, like, the thing I love the most is when people take this work like you have and take it out into their worlds and to express their gift in their way. And that that's what I that's what I want. And who would be the people um, who would be attracted to the practicum, right? So the practicum is a year-long, essentially a training program under your leadership model. Um, right. Yeah. And who, yeah, who who would be appropriate? So I mean, these- anyone, honestly, after doing it, but. <laughs> right. So there's that. So, you know, th- these would be people who are interested in the work for themselves because mm-hmm. that's part that's you know so important here is you can't just like we've said you can't do for others until you've done so yes. you're looking for your own growth and transformation and what I say repeatedly step seven of the model reflect and reflect it's a practice it's a lifelong practice you said you read living with joy you know every morning I start with you know a half hour to an hour of reflecting and reading and writing and it varies you know from different times but it's a practice because if you're not doing and working on yourself you know, we're evolving. All of us are evolving all the time. None of us are perfect or have arrived. Um, so people who are interested in really engaging with that as a pursuit for the rest of their life. And, and then people who are interested in, in spurring this on with others who are, whether that's within organizations, because that's what's happening now is more people who maybe are working in HR or who are in leadership roles who want to find new ways to support um, their teams or their communities. Um so it's it's a practice for yourself, and then it's a practice that you really want with intention to be able to share with others. Yeah, I it was yeah. it was a really beautiful experience in knowing myself more, getting out of my own way. Obviously, deeply learning to listen and trust myself. I didn't really know what I was getting into, honestly. When you know, I saw my friend, I was like, I don't know what this is, but I want what she's having. Well, and again, we laugh about it, but I'm not kidding you. That is how most people get to me. And that's how I know. I have one client now. In fact, I, I do some um, uh, retreats here in Ohio where I live and work. 
And uh, she was here on Saturday with a small group and she had heard somebody else say something to another person at a meeting one time about, you know, thank you for introducing me to Catherine Schaefer. She's changed my life. And, you know, three or four months later, something happened and she called and said, who is this person and connect me to her. So that's what I want, right? Like, you know, is people who are really ready for that. And that's also the people who I know are going to be ready for the practicum are those who resonate with that as a message and who also kind of are curious and, and thinking that they might like to be that person in other people's lives as well. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great way of saying it. It was very incredibly empowering. Okay. You touched on it what for a second. How do you love through challenging situations? What are some of your favorite tools when, you know, pardon my French, shit hits the fan? All the time. One of my favorite things i saying lately is uh, David White has the three illusions, you know, and one of the things is, is we can keep bad things from happening to us. And one of them is we can keep our heart from being broken and that we can know our story all the way to the end. Those are his three illusions of life. So that's one of the things I've been talking about. And, you know, like just because something bad happens or challenging happens, yep. first of all, most of us think something's gone wrong. And mm-hmm. I think that's one of the I'm really working on now, like, oh, no, this has just happened, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so take the badness out of it. The the second thing, and again, work in progress all the time, is to come back into what am I feeling? Because Mm -hmm. most of the time, whatever the bad thing is, is setting off a false belief in me. Mm -hmm. I'm unsafe. The world's going to fall apart. You know, none of my clients are ever going to show up again. I don't know. (laughs) I mean, like, so the work has to go here first. And what I find more and more is that when I take care of me back to self-care, what do I need in this situation? What's happening now? Yeah. Then the actual action I take is much more in that loving, creative vein rather than in the control. Because The only reason we get upset and need to control something is when we feel we're lacking. Mm -hmm. What this work is ultimately about is we are all that we need. Mm. Yes. Then we can go get what, you know, we crave and want desire because we're already here. And that's the easy part. So I now try and look at, not always, and let's say I don't have my moments. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but you're human. Yes. Yeah. Oh yeah. Trust me. <laughs> My kids will tell you that's very true. But you know, when you come back here, then it gets easier. And that's the practice for me now. Keep coming back here. Keep coming back here. Keep coming back here. Oh, I love that so much. Well, and it's so beautiful to hear you speak about this because I have so many practices that keep me connected and whole and give me perspective that when I hear you talk about it, I'm like, oh, this is probably where I got it. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Kathleen. Oh, oh, yeah. That interesting. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Kathleen had that impact on my life as well. And, you know, I think that it's such a shame and it's funny. So I'm turning 40 on Saturday and I'm like losing my whole mind. I like had a breakdown about it. Happy, last birthday. Week. Happy birthday. You're still, you're still very young. <laughs> <laughs> I, thank you. Right. But I don't feel that it's the oldest I've ever been. So it's terrifying. But um, it's one of those things. Where I, youngest I'll ever be. That's true. In this moment, youngest <laughs> I'll ever be. Um, but it's it's made me reflect a lot on, 
you know, being, I think this came from being an actress, right? Where there was so much messaging around like how I am losing value past like 25. And, you know, that whole industry was so toxic. So I had a lot of these like weird inherent beliefs that started to come up in the past few months around turning 40. But it's been really fun uh, doing this podcast because I've had, you know, a handful of my mentors on. And I just, can we please change the narrative around older women being like the most valuable asset we have in, and I'm not calling you old for the record, you're just a little older than me. Um, (laughs) But like, I just really would love to shift the narrative to, to see how valuable, especially women as we age are, because we are so intuitive, because we are so feeling, because we are the care, you know what I mean? Like, and, and time and time again, I come back to like, look at who's shaped my career and my life and my success and how I've been allowed to evolve and the, all of the, the tools I've gotten, mostly from women. So thank you for being this, you know, this example, this expander, this light in the world. Like, I think the work you're doing is profoundly important and impactful. And I, I, I wanted to share you with my audience because I know there's so many people that would benefit from what you do. Well, thank you. Thank you. I, and I will say to you on the verge of what I, you know, all, all of these are momentous, right? When you hit kind of the zeros and the fives, right? right? And you've heard me talk about, I think that, you know, you're still not even quite to goddess two yet, right? You know, in terms of our- Oh yeah, talk about that. Yeah. Will you talk about that a little bit? Tell everyone what that is. I think that's really important. And I think about you is, is that, you know, for the first time in the history of the world, women- have this 30, I call it 30 year period between 50 and 80. And I'm definitely there where, you know, we are still sexy and beautiful and vital and intuitive and all of this goodness that that the goddess brings. And it's at a point in life when there isn't quite that, sorry, I thought I'd turn this off. We're at this point where, um, you know, we hadn't, we hadn't, before have to be like, you know, taking care of kids and doing all of these things that happen early in your career. So you have this very juicy, wonderful part of your life. And, you know, you're not even fully to goddess too yet. You're still in like goddess. And you're right that we have to stop having this, like the world's going to end as you get older. The world actually expands and we need more of this energy out in the world for not only women, for men too. Yeah. Because the world's that we don't have and value this. So back to the whole message of what we're talking about, right, is is that we have to love ourselves. And as we do that, I really feel like the world will love us and and the world will become more loving. Oh, what a beautiful thing to end on. I agree. I couldn't agree more. Thank you for being such an example of love and especially love in action in the world. And again, thank you for the profound impact you've had on me, my business, my life. Um, yeah, those of you who are interested, go check out her books. If you want more, check out the, oh yeah, where can people find you? Let us know. Just humanbeingstore.com. Um, the website's got everything you could want to know about me and more probably. <laughs> and so it's all there. You know, if anybody's interested, I'm always, you know, welcome to, you know, do a chat with people on Zoom and see if some of this work is for them or not. Yeah, absolutely. You know, if this resonates, reach out to her. I I didn't know what I was getting myself into and I was so glad that I got into it. You know, I was like, whoa, I didn't expect this. And I thought you did too. 
<laughs> and I, I, it's funny, like what, people kind of find me in a roundabout way too often, especially as my work sort of evolves and becomes more, I, I, I'm just watching it unfold in this way that is, you know, more transformative holistically and, and just starting with the body, but ending in really a deeper connection with the self, right. And, and what you want to do in the world. And I always tell people when they start, especially my group programs, it's like, you probably won't get exactly what you think you're going to get, but if you keep an open mind, you'll get way more. And that is very much my experience with you. Yeah. Well, I feel like we're all doing the same work. We're all, we're all walking each other home. People come in different doors, but you know, that's how, you know, you've got to somebody and people who get to you are really going to get the the love that they're after because that's, that's what we're all doing is just, you know, teaching each other how to love ourselves. Mm, Amen to that. All right. Thank you so much, Kathleen. This was such a delightful conversation. I can't wait for people to come check you out. Um, Yeah, just thank you. Sending you so much love through the computer screen. Yeah, same here. My pleasure. Congratulations on the podcast. Thank you. Welcome. Love Through It is hosted by Liana Nielsen and produced by me, Claire Burns. If you're interested in working with Liana as a client, or you're interested in hiring Liana to lead a workshop or be a contributor, you can contact her through her website, healthybyliana.com, or through Instagram at healthybyliana.